Let's pray. Father, we uh, we thank you uh, so much, God, for who you are. We thank you, God, for your work in our lives. We thank you, God, for being there um, at every moment of our life. Uh, God, we thank you for your strength. We thank you that you love us more than we could ever imagine. And we thank you, God, that you want to meet us here and that you want to speak to us. You're not a silent God, and we know that, God, that you want to build into us and you want to uh, create more life and joy and peace and power, God, in our lives. And, and as we uh, spend some time opening your word, we invite you uh, to work in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we, uh, well, over this last year, anyways, off and on, been working through uh, the book of Ephesians. We just finished up a series on worship for the last four weeks here, and uh, we're going to jump back into the book of Ephesians, sort of, anyways. Uh, and the reason, sort of, is because I'm going to use the text in Ephesians today to sort of bridge into talking about uh, fear and, and anxiety. And this is the text... Uh, in Ephesians, we've been going through this book verse by verse, and uh, in verse 17 it says this, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, and when uh, Paul, who's the guy who wrote this book, uh, uses the word Gentiles, he's just speaking about those who don't have God in their lives, those who aren't being empowered by God, that he says and he insists that we don't live like people who have no God in their lives. And immediately when I saw this phrase, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, immediately I made a connection to Matthew chapter 6 because Jesus uses pretty much the same phrase in speaking about anxiety. That we are no longer to live as those who do not have God in their lives speaking. I mean, we have a world that is just filled with anxiety and fear. And we're to live differently because we have a great big God in our lives. Uh, you are taught with regard to your former way of life in verse 22 to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, being corrupted by fear, corrupted by anxiety, by sin, by all those other things. And this is to be us, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And we're going to speak about uh, stuff dealing with the spirit and with the mind today. I realize that sometimes anxiety and fear can be caused by health issues. I'm not a doctor, uh, but I'm talking about what most people experience. Anxiety and fear is from their thinking and from spiritual stuff. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And here's a text from Matthew. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. This is, this is a command. It's not like some sort of optional thing. Well, you know, I can sort of play around with anxiety if I want to. Jesus actually says, don't be anxious. And Jesus doesn't tell us stuff that's impossible. He always gives us the power through the Holy Spirit to do what he asks us to do. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
And maybe your needs right now are not food and clothes, but maybe they're financial needs or emotional needs or you just have stuff going on. Your father knows. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? A lot of times we worry about stuff we can't even control. And why are you anxious about clothing or about whatever you're anxious about? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is, uh, which today is alive and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious. He says it again. This wasn't just some sort of misspeaking that he accidentally said, don't be anxious, because really it's not impossible. He says it twice. Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And here's this phrase, which is pretty much the same as Paul, for Gentiles seek after all these things. This is what fills the thinking of those who are not filled with God. And the natural response to not walking with God is fear and anxiety, because everything's out of control. You don't have this, someone be looking out for you. You don't, you don't know that, that you're loved and cared for. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. There is not a single need that you have that God doesn't know about. There's not a single need that you have, whatever you're anxious or afraid about today, that is too big for God. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In Isaiah, it says to those who are following God, do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. Uh, we are not to walk the same as those who don't have God in their lives. Knowing that God is great and big and present has got to absolutely change the way we think. And maybe, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with some serious fears and some serious anxiety in my life. I don't think Jesus really knew the context of my life. Jesus was not saying this in the context of like somebody sitting on a fluffy cloud in some Christian bubble. He was speaking to people who every single day had to worry about what they were going to eat. They had to worry about their clothes. We don't have to worry about any of that. In fact, in the context of this very verse, it goes on. The next very verse says, therefore, do not be anxious. The third time he's commanded this. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's telling this when he's saying there's a lot of trouble every day. This is not said in some cushy, rich, Christian, cozy bubble or whatever it is. This is said where life is hard and life is difficult. And three times he says, do not be anxious. I tell you, that's not always me. I'm pretty good at freaking out sometimes. And I think a lot of us are as well. I mean, there is so much we can be afraid of. I mean, and, and so many things to be anxious about. I mean, we're just in a culture that's just bubbling with anxiety and fear. And it is a huge, huge issue. I mean, it reminds us of what uh, Proverbs says. Anxiety weighs down. That's supposed to be heart. The heart. Anxiety weighs down the heart. <laughs> weighs down your ability to hear God, too, I tell you. Uh, it does. I mean, it keeps you from so many things. It, it causes you to shrink back. It is a huge, huge issue. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's, it's just not okay. 
We make so many excuses. Well, everybody's anxious and I'm anxious and everybody's afraid. It's just the way our culture is. Actually, it's not okay. Uh, Jesus says, do not be anxious. In, in many ways, false, uh, fear and anxiety have become a false god. Uh, we just did a whole series on worship. We know when we worship something, we give whatever we worship honor. We bow down to that. We submit to it. And I tell you, a lot of us are submitting to fear and anxiety. A lot of us sometimes fit, uh, submit more to fear and anxiety than we do to God. God calls us to do something. We get afraid. Uh, we get anxious. And we're like, I'm not going to do it. Who's, who'd you just bow down to? Fear and anxiety has become the God. I love this quote. I posted it on my little leadership blog this week. Though we loudly, repeatedly, and confidently proclaim Christ as Lord, in reality, many of us no longer practice faith in a God that has any real power, any true control, or inherent godness. We seem to have little more than a neutered figurehead deity who doesn't seem to be able to handle much at all anymore. He's lost his Old Testament swagger. Talking about the power that you see in the scriptures. Dig beneath the sunny, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Bible covers. And the God's judgment is coming, bullhorn warnings that you find much of America has imagined. This, this powerless God who's mostly just keeping heavy tidy until all the Christians get there. In the meantime, we live in a perpetually frightened, freaked out mode. The truth is, and this is so good, fear has become a false god. One too many of us worship with complete and undying devotion. The fear has become a false god. One too many of us worship with a complete and undying devotion. Fear and anxiety control us. They, they, they push us places that, 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 that God doesn't want us to go. And it affects us in a lot of ways, but here's three ways. First of all, fear and anxiety can capture our thinking. We can be up at night worrying about things. We can be carrying fear, and if you allow it, it'll actually capture your thinking more than God. The Bible says, set your mind on things above. The Bible says in Philippians 4 that we are to, to keep our mind fixed on whatever is pure and lovely and pure and holy. And, and, and yet a lot of us, our minds are filled with anxiety and fear. I mean, whatever captures your mind is what you worship. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. And if you're constantly holding on to fear and anxiety and it's controlling you, it may have become bigger than God in your life. It can keep us from serving, loving, and building the kingdom. And I wonder how many times I have said, God, I'm just not good enough. And God, I'm not able. That's out of my gift mix. I don't know. Maybe you should ask someone else to do that. And how many times have we shrunk back from the call of God because of our fear and anxiety? I wonder how many times in relationships when God is saying, would you please just drop your pride and have a great marriage? Would you please just open up and your, your fear and anxiety, if, if they really knew who I was, then things are going to go bad. It just, and it keeps you from having a great marriage. This is one of the reasons why Satan works so hard in this area, and I think he's got an incredible grip on so many Christians in the area of fear and anxiety, because it keeps you from living kingdom. It keeps you from engaging and serving where God wants you to. It keeps you from loving deeply in relationships because it, it pulls you back and causes you to hide. It is a horrible, horrible thing. It's a terrible false God. It also shapes our decisions. Probably most of our bad decisions are a result of fear and anxiety. We get scared. 
and then we lie. Uh, we're uncomfortable with something, and so we make something up. Or, or again, in relationships, we make a lot of bad decisions because of fear and anxiety. I remember Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament, God gave them a promise that you're going to have a child and the nations are going to be blessed through them. And they waited on God's promise. And sometimes we've got to wait. And they waited and they waited and they waited. And finally, their fear and anxiety got a hold of them. Maybe God's not going to come through and maybe God's not big enough. And so they develop their own plan. They make a bad decision and they have a, a baby through Sarah's servant and everything just goes bad. I mean, that's what happens when you allow fear and anxiety to shape your thinking. Uh, we worship Jesus. Uh, Jesus' ways are always the best ways. And so we must, must, must never let fear and anxiety keep us from serving God and going deeper into our relationships. Uh, fear and anxiety are not our friends, and we need to evict them from our thinking. The reality is most of us here, or many of us, and I'm going to put throw me into this, that a lot of us have made too close of friends with fear and anxiety. And I think it's because it's just so common in our culture that we just think it's normal. Everybody freaks out. Everybody's anxious. So I guess this is the way life is supposed to be. So it's actually okay in my life. It's actually not okay. We've made friends with fear and anxiety when we need to be evicting them out of our mind. This is one of the biggest three themes throughout the scripture, which Satan, I think, has totally blinded our eyes sometimes to, that fear and anxiety are not to be in our lives. 70 times, plus 17 times, in the NIV it says, do not be afraid and do not fear. I mean, what are you afraid of today? When your life right now is just causing you to freak out, what, what is it that you fear? I mean, almost 90 times God says, do not fear. Uh, do not be afraid. Any thoughts of fear from our mind need to be, to be evicted from our thinking. Uh, uh, Paul said to Timothy, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. Again, fear is not to have a place in our life. We are to, whenever it comes in our mind, we, we evict it. We, we kick it out. John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled, and yet often we do because we're friends with it. We're friends with fear. We're friends with anxiety. So we kind of let them in our hearts because everybody does and it's okay in our society and everybody's freaking out so it's okay for me to freak out. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And then he says, don't be afraid. I mean, we just got to get this bang on 100% clear. Anxiety and fear are not okay to be letting run around in our minds. Uh, anxiety is all over the Bible as not to be anxious. Jesus, I mean, said it many times in that passage, Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. Matthew 6, again, he said it three times in that passage, do not be anxious about your life. And again, this is not said in some sort of cozy little easy life bubble. First Peter, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. And he's, he's talking to people who are being persecuted like beat up, tossed in prison, serious stuff. And he says this, don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Even the most extreme case, he's like, don't worry and don't be afraid of, the, of their threats. I mean, fear and anxiety, they need to be evicted out of our minds. One of the reasons uh, we are filled with fear and anxiety is because we often fail to believe these three things. Again, think right now, again, what are you anxious about? 
What are you anxious about this week or right now? What are you afraid of? I guarantee that you're doubting one of these three things. I mean, it really is this simple. Fear and anxiety is caused when you doubt one of these things. You're either doubting God's love for you. Well, maybe he doesn't fully love me. Maybe he's only 90% love and this other 10%, you know, he's really going to get me or something's going to explode in my life because he actually wants to just beat me up. You doubt his power. Maybe it's too big for him. I guess I've got to take it in my own hands. Or you're doubting God's presence. He's not really with me. He doesn't really know. These lies you need to remove from your mind. Let's look at these things. Uh, God loves you. You've got to be confident in this. Romans 8. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. If you surrender your life to Jesus, God's love it just won't leave. It, it just won't. Neither death, these are bad things. Or life, that's a good thing. Neither angels, that's a good thing, nor demons. That's a bad. Some people are so afraid of Satan. It's like, Satan's going to keep me from God's love. No. No, no, they're not. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. And often it's our fears that push God's love away. It's actually not God. It's actually us pushing him away. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And this is the kind of relationship that good God calls you to be in. Where you so are saturated in the love of God that all fear is removed. And some of you are worried because you don't really believe that God fully loves you. And you just need to stop and just allow God's love to saturate you. That he loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you more than anyone else in this universe loves you. He knows the hair on your head. He knows every thought, every fear, every anxiety. He loves you. Don't doubt God's love. God's powerful. We know this. Psalm 46, God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. This is probably the one thing most people say, I believe, but they don't walk it. He really is all-powerful. There really is nothing that's too hard for God. I don't care what's going on in your life. There's nothing too hard for God. And he is with us. Psalm 118, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. Uh, so do not fear. And you know, just the reason not to fear is, is because he's with you. When God says, do not be afraid or do not fear, he always says, because I'm with you. It's not because we're like superstars in ourselves. It's not because, you know, I'm such a courageous being. That's not where we get our courage from. We get our courage from God who loves me and is all-powerful. He's with me. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And again, I just want to make sure, because a lot of times we, we just make the excuse, well, you, I have a reason to be anxious because my life is bad. I have a reason to be freaking out because it's really, really hard. Again, all this stuff is said in the most difficult situations. I mean, I read this at the, the funeral we did yesterday here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can't get much worse than that, I will fear no evil. Why? For God is with us. He's with us. God loves us. He is powerful, and he is with us. Whenever we're anxious and we're worried, it's because we're doubting one of those th three issues in our lives. 
And because of those three things, we've got to realize that we are not fighting for victory, but we're actually fighting from victory. And there's a big difference. If you don't really think God loves you fully, and you don't think he's quite present, and you don't think he's quite powerful, you will spend your life striving. If I could just take control of this situation, if I could just organize it well, then maybe I would have victory. You're always fighting for victory in your life because you're not sure if God's going to work things out or if he really loves you or he's really present, and you're just a striver. And you're always freaking out and, and afraid of things because you've got to make sure everything's in order and everybody around you and your marriage is all in order. You've got to tell people you're very controlling and you're very demanding because you're freaking out about Satan and freaking out about everything because you're trying to get victory. You already have victory in Jesus. We're in a battle, absolutely. We're, we're in a war zone. Just open your eyes, look at the news. But when you have God in your life, you're fighting from victory. Uh, the Bible actually says you are not just a conqueror, but actually more than a conqueror. In Romans 8, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, again, what are you worried and anxious about today? If you have Jesus in your life, God is for you. There's just no way around it. He's for you. He's for you, and he loves you, and he's present, and he's powerful. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, which is the greatest gift ever. If he did that, man, how much more is he going to be looking out over our lives? How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Now, it may not always be the things we want, but it'll be the things that he knows we need. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. And there may be people condemning you. Maybe people who are uh, pulling you down and, and saying all kinds of gossip and horrible things. Yeah, God doesn't condemn you, and that's the most important. Who uh, shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Again, he's talking about not an easy life. For as it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. I mean, this is the context. I mean, life is not always easy. But he still says, don't fear. Don't be anxious. And he says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Again, it's not because I'm so amazing. I'm sort of super Jesse. It's not about me. Through him, through Jesus, through Jesus we are more than conquerors. And because we are sons and daughters of the king, we are fighting whatever battle we're fighting. We're fighting from a position of victory. It doesn't matter what happens in life, you are going to win. Because Jesus is going to win. And he is victorious. And it makes a world of difference in how you live your life. Whether you think you're trying to strive and fight for victory or you're coming from a position of victory. If you're trying to fight for victory all the time, again, you get very controlling, you get very manipulative, you start judging a lot of people around you because you're trying to control every situation around you to make it fit in your little box. You're the kind of person who wants to just get a bunker and hide out in a mountain and just wait for the rapture to come because things are getting so bad. We fight from victory. We live from victory in our lives. Because you have a God who loves you, who's all-powerful, and he's with you. I mean, so what, what, Jesse, are you doing carrying anxiety and fear around when, when you have that in your life? And that's the thing we've got to be reminding ourselves about. First John 4, 4 says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. You're an overcomer in Jesus. You live like that. 
We're like, oh, man, it's such a horrible situation. Everything's going bad. I'm so anxious. I'm so afraid. I can't do anything. Is that an overcomer? Is that how someone who has the God of the universe living in them and loving them and present, is that how you act? Oh, this marriage is impossible, and I just can't get rid of my pride, and just struggling through this. And uh, No, no. Uh, you have someone in you that's greater than someone in the world. Uh, Philippians 1, stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. In other words, the way we walk in putting away fear and pitting away anxiety is to be a testimony to this world. Because if you see, if you're, I mean, all your friends just look at you and like, yeah, you're a Christian, but they just see you constantly weighed down by fear and anxiety, it's like, you really believe in a God who is all powerful and big and amazing and, and who can transform your life? Because that should change us. Even when there's people opposing us, just don't be frightened. God knows, God's with you, God's strong, God loves you. Yeah. The, the, the story of Mike Richards, I was just reading this a while back. He is a pastor in the States, but he was doing a worship service, and after he had uh, this prayer time, and people were coming up for prayer, and this one guy comes up, and he says, and Mike Richards says, how can I pray for you? And he says, oh, I don't want prayer, I'm just here to tell you that, you know, I've come here from the, the local witch's coven, and we're praying and fasting against your church, and we're going to shut your church down, and uh, we're putting curses on your church he could have responded with, man, i got to fight for victory in this defeatist mentality that God's not big. He just says, that doesn't bother me. Greater is he that is in me than is in this world. We're under the blood of Jesus. We're okay. <laughs> and the guy just turns around. I mean, that's the way we face stuff as Christians. Something very anxious comes our way. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, but i got a God who loves me, who is with me, and he's present. Let's see what he can do. That's to be us. Truth, trust and faith are the opposite of fear and anxiety. George Mueller said this, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. When you're anxious, and when I'm anxious, and you're afraid and I'm afraid, it's, it's a lack of faith. Because again, you're doubting God's love, you're doubting his power, or you're doubting his presence. It's a lack of faith in one of those, or all of those maybe. It's a lack of faith. And again, sometimes we just kind of say, it's okay for us as Christians to, to shrink back in fear and be afraid and, and to be super anxious. And we've, again, we've made these friends with fear and anxiety when they're to be evicted because we're to have faith. And again, you just see this all over the scriptures. I mean, Jesus in Matthew 6 said, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious. Jesus said it was a lack of faith. You're not trusting God. You're not trusting him for your needs. You're not trusting him to deal with the situation. You're just, you're just freaking out. And sometimes we just got to say it as it is. When I'm anxious, it's not okay. It's a lack of trust. Right now, somehow, I'm having a lack of faith in God's power, presence, or love. You see, Mark 4, when the disciples are on the boat, there's a storm Jesus knew how to live without fear and anxiety because there's a storm and he's sleeping on the boat. At the same time, the disciples, who are like us sometimes, were freaking out thinking that they were going to die. Same situation, two different responses. 
And all of us can face the same situation, and you can choose to be like Jesus and trust God, or you can choose to be like the disciples and freak out. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, be quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm, and he said to his disciples, you know, it's okay that you're scared. That was a really scary moment. That's okay. That's natural. That's not what he said. That's what we say to ourselves, isn't it? It's okay to be anxious because this is a really hard situation. It's okay. And we just kind of make, we make friends with them. We allow them to live in our little apartment, in our mind, instead of evicting them. Jesus says, why are you so afraid? They thought they were going to die. I mean, how much more scary can he get than that? And Jesus says, why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's a faith issue. A lack of faith in God's power, his love, and his presence. A- uh, Ashley Abrams said this. We've gotten so used to stress that for some of us, it has begun to shape how we think about God. At the root of this type of stress response is, ultimately, unbelief. A lifestyle of stress and its subsequent coping mechanisms say, God is not in control. It's helpless, hopeless, and joyless, and frankly, an offensive response to the gospel. If what God says is true and Jesus died to carry the burdens too heavy for us to bear, we should be some of the happiest people on earth. And I've met some Christians who seem to be like the most miserable people on earth. Lots of happy ones too. I can get miserable too. So while, uh, so while we may not be able to change our circumstances, it's time to change our perspective on them for the good of our health, of our relationships, and most of all, our spiritual lives. And the reality is we all have a choice. Again, you can all face the same situation, just as Jesus and the disciples were in the same situation, and you can respond with peace like Jesus did, or you can freak out with anxiety and fear. I mean, really, this just comes down to a choice on what you fill your mind and your spirit with. You can either dwell on the issues and the problems and how horrible the situation is, or you can dwell on God's love and his power and his presence. I read a, a George Mueller sermon on anxiety, and that was so good. I almost just wanted to preach the whole thing, but I'll just give you a quote. If the men of the world see that we Christians are anxious like they are, They will have ground for seeing that our profession of having an almighty friend and helper in heaven is only a profession. Therefore, we dishonor God by not trusting in him in the hour of need. We have, however, such a friend. He is willing and able to help us and to deliver us in his own time and way. This is the very reason why we need not be anxious about anything. So we are to take the promise literally. Be anxious about nothing. Thus we shall walk in holy confidence. Trust in your heavenly Father. Look to him, confide in him, knowing that he will help in his own time and way. The men of this world and even some children of God who know not these truths and do not ask for this peace are wretched, anxious, and hurried about like people beside themselves when great trouble comes. We, the children of God, who know these precious truths, are able to calmly to wait on the Lord and leave ourselves quietly in the hands of God. And he didn't just say these things, he lived these things. I mean, it's one of the most amazing biographies to read of how many situations that he had where they were just like, man, I would be freaking out and losing it, and he was just, God's going to come through. 
God's going to come through. Because he just chose to keep his mind fixed on God's love, power, and his presence. I mean, I think I've told this story, but I mean, he's got one story when he, I mean, he had his orphan houses with hundreds of orphans in all these houses, and he never, ever once asked for money. Uh, the reason he actually started all these orphan houses because he looked out at the church, and he saw that the church had a lack of faith in prayer and the power of God. And he was like, what can I do to show Christians that God is real and powerful? And he says, I know what I'll do. I'll just take a whole bunch of kids and never ask for anything. And just do it all on the power of prayer. And he did it, and it just expanded, and just amazing things happened. But I mean, this one time, they, 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 had, they had no breakfast. There's not a crumb, and they had a couple hundred orphans. And he didn't just freak out. He wasn't filled with anxiety. He was like, God will come through. God, and he's always, like, he's always like, you need to expect your prayers to be answered. You need to expect your prayers to be answered, because God is good. And he just, he got all the tables set. He had all the kids sit down like they're ready to eat, still no food, and he prays, God, I thank you for this food we're about to eat. They waited, and there was this knock at the door, and the local baker was, you know, I was just up all night, and I was just heavy on my heart that I was supposed to bring you a whole bunch of bread this morning, and, and then later the milk guy came around, brought the milk, I mean, this is the way we need to trust God. We need to cast our fears and anxiety on him. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, when you meet Jesus, you're supposed to give him your baggage, not hold on to it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I like this picture because this is what you're to do with your baggage. He just give it to Jesus because he's able and he's strong and he's powerful. I mean, why in the world do we walk around carrying all this junk, all this fear and anxiety when Jesus is like, hey, I'll help you. I'll help you. And the way we do that is through prayer. Through prayer and supplication, it says in Ephesians 4, in the passive, don't be anxious, and it says in the peace of God will transcend, will pass all understanding. There's this peace of God when you're just able to lay, lay it at the feet of Jesus. Lastly, last point here, is to trust God's word. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. This is how you know if you're a follower of Jesus. Do you hold to his teachings? Do you follow his, do you follow his teachings? Uh, just because you say you're a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Even more if I say I'm a block of cheese, makes me a block of cheese. I mean, uh, someone who says a, you follow the teachings of Jesus, you want to hold to the teachings of Jesus, uh, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's a lot of ways we can talk about freedom, but one of those ways is we're supposed to be free from fear and anxiety. The truth sets you free. The truth about God's love, about his power, and his presence. But again, a lot of times we do not walk in freedom because we don't really believe the truth, and therefore we're not free. If you're not feeling free, there's some truth you're not believing. I mean, we as Christians, as, as Paul said in Galatians 5, Christ has come to set us free. <laughs> Jesus said, I've come to set us free. Paul said, to come to, we are to be free. And the reason we're not free is often because of fear and anxiety because we're carrying our own baggage instead of just believing the truth about God. Leonard Ravenhill said this. One of these days, some simple soul will pick up the book of God, read it, and believe it. Then the rest of us won't be embarrassed. <laughs> One day someone's going to open up his Bible and go, God really loves me. I'm just going to believe that. And it's going to change your life. 
One day someone's going to say, God, he's all powerful. Ah, I'm going to live that. I'm just going to believe that. And I'm going to change the world. Somebody's going to say, God is just present with me at all times. And they're going to just change the world. Tell you, most of our issues come down to just not believing the word of God. We just don't, we don't believe it. We say we do, but we don't actually believe it. So we're controlling, manipulating, forcing, pushing, causing things to blow up around us. I mean, then the rest of us will be embarrassed. We have adopted the convenient theory that the Bible is a book to be explained, whereas first and foremost, it is a book to be believed, and after that, to be obeyed. Yeah, you remember what Jesus said to Jairus? Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be anxious, just believe. Just believe he loves you. No matter what Satan says or how you feel, you just, you just believe that his love is extravagant and more you can ever, you just believe it and you stand in it. You just believe in his power, no matter what comes your way. This is minor compared to the God who said, and the universe was made. I mean, you just believe he's present. It's where you can use your imagination. You just picture Jesus holding onto your hand or holding onto your shoulders wherever you go. He is there. To believe his promises. I don't know what your needs are, what you're worried about. I mean, you're, you're freaking about uh, financial needs. The Bible's filled with promises. God will meet, my, meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. Instead of focusing on, I have this need and it's not coming through and I'm freaking out. Take a verse like this. It's true. And you memorize it, and you let that saturate your mind. Your mind should be filled with the power and presence of God, not with the things you're anxious about. Devin McDaniel said this, I read words, she's, talk, she's talking about the Bible, of life, of truth. Soaking them in, over and over, praying them out loud. And this is how you deal with anxiety. You push anxiety away, you allow the truth of the word, because that's what set you, sets you free, you let that to soak into your mind until be they became so familiar, familiar, they replaced the other things in my mind that I battled against. Something will fill your mind. Anxiety or fear or the truth of God's word. Again, you have a choice. Whatever situation you're in, you have a choice, and it's up to you to make that choice. A lot of times we're waiting for our situations to change. If that, my wife or my husband would just do this, if my church would just fix itself or that pastor would leave or whatever your situation is, just change your thinking. Your circumstances may be the same. It is powerful when you put the word of God into your heart until they become so, they, they replace the other things, my mind that I battled against. There's nothing magical about words and verses, but there is power through them because they're God's words. I struggled with fear and worry for years, but through time, I began to find that the things that once would have set me down in an anxious spiral no longer had the same effect. It didn't happen quickly, but over days, months, and years. And sometimes this can take time, because you are so used to just, when you're in a situation, you just travel down the, the, the path of anxiety and fear. That your brain's got the super highway to fear and anxiety. You've got to train your brain to start focusing on God's word and God's truth. And you just, you cast out that fear and anxiety, and you fill your mind with God's truth, and you walk in it. So this is what you do. And maybe uh, we can work through this together as we end, before we worship. Again, what are you worried 
about today? What are you anxious about? What are you afraid of? Uh, what is causing you to stay up at night? Or what are those things that are just anxious in, in your life? Behind those things, again, is that you're believing a lie. And you need to repent of that lie. That lie is God doesn't love you, or he's not present, or he's not powerful. It is not okay for us as Christians to carry lies about God around in our lives. They need to be repented of. And so if you're willing, let's pray. Father in heaven, you know what I'm anxious about. God, you know what anxieties are weighing down each person here. And God, in the silence of this moment, we, we repent and renounce the lies that we're believing. Let's take a moment and do that. Next, we need to remember who we are in Christ. You're not just some sort of orphan who's left in the corner in God's kingdom. You are God's child. Uh, you are his son, his daughter. You are more than an overcomer through Christ who conquers you. And, and so let's pray again. God, we realize that we are your children. And therefore, we are new creations. And we have the Holy Spirit in us. And so, God, right now, because we are your kids, we realize that fear and anxiety have no place in my mind. That that's not me anymore in Christ. That's the old me. The new me trusts in you. And so, God, we remind ourselves that we are children. Maybe you want to say that in your own words. And Father, in replace of these lies that we're believing, we replace those with truth. And we stand on those truths no matter what things look like. God, that we don't base our thinking on appearances. We don't base our thinking on how we feel. We base it on the truth of the word of God. And so God, right now in this quiet, we stand on the truth, whatever that looks like in your own heart and your own prayers. Stand on the truth that God loves you, that God is with you, and he is powerful. Stand and confess that truth to God at this time. Father, I pray you would help us to begin walking in life down a new trail that we would no longer keep anxiety and fear as our friends. God, that we would no longer associate with them. God, that we'd no longer make excuses saying it's okay. But we'd confess them as they are, and that is not of you. So God, I pray you would journey with us. I pray, God, as we begin to set our faces on you, we begin to confess that we are your children. We begin to repent of lies and hold on to your truth. God, I pray each and every day and each and every hour and with the weeks ahead, we would all begin to walk more firmly and stronger and uh, in the freedom and the truth of your word. 
And so, God, we release to you. And we thank you that you are able to carry whatever luggage, God, we have. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite the worship team up.